It's time to take off your clothes, enjoy clothes-free living, and join us for Naked, Nudist, and Naturist. Welcome to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, the show that celebrates clothes-free living for all. I'm your host, Frank Stone. And I'm your correspondent, Lisa Monroe, and I'll be reporting on all things within the Naturist community, so it's time to get naked and join us. And enjoy clothes-free living on Naked, Nudists, and Naturists. Well, greetings and welcome in to Naked, Nudists, and Naturists, episode 9 today. Come on in. The water is fine. We're glad you're with us to celebrate clothes-free living, the naturism way of life, and as I like to say, clothes-free living for all of the right reasons. We're glad you're here, and yes, up front, we are always nude in the studio. That's how we work. We show up to work in clothes because society says we have to drive with clothes on. We get here, they come off, and they stay off until it's time to go home. And even then, we regret putting them on to go home, but we have to. When we get home, they come back off. So we encourage you to join us if you're not already nude, ready to go for the show. Go ahead and take your clothes off. Now, obviously, there are exceptions. If you're walking in the grocery store with your headphones on, listening to this show, eh, keep your clothes on. We don't want any frantic phone calls or requests for bail money. No, no, it's not worth it. But if you're home, if you're somewhere secure where you can have your clothes off without issue, then do so. You might be at a naturist, nudist resort. You might be at the nude beach today. You might be in your backyard. You might be in your living room, in your kitchen in your garden, wherever you are. Just have your clothes off and listen along with us on Naked Nudist Naturist, episode 9 today. We give you a brand new show. Every Saturday morning we drop one to you, 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. You can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Audible. Just go to the platform of your choice. Type in Naked Nudist and Naturist, and this show will come up. We also encourage you to follow, like, subscribe, all of those key words in the business, and many of you have, and we're very appreciative of that. But by doing so, you get notifications when a new show comes up. You already know when a new show is coming up, 6 a.m. Eastern Time every Saturday morning, but in case you had kind of a busy Friday night, and a late Saturday morning when you wake up, there's your notification, oh yes, I have to put on Frank and Lisa for Naked Nudists and Naturists. They have a new episode today because it's Saturday. How about that? And we really want to thank you a lot for listening. The numbers to the show are basically off the charts. I've been doing radio for a very long time. And I understand analytics and the numbers and listeners and all of the stuff that goes into that. Uh, when you bake the uh, analytics pie for radio... And we are very appreciative of you listening and passing along this show to others. We are here to celebrate Close Free Living, to talk about it, to help you in any way we can, to learn from you along the way as well. And when we learn from you, we pass along to others what we've learned. We're in this together, so let's keep on working together on Naked Nudists and Naturists. And by the way, if you want to reach us, there are three ways to do that, maybe four. If you, first of all, go to our website, nakednudistandnaturist.com, you can find out all information about the show, but you can also leave a message there, and we do respond. You can find us on Twitter, Naked Nudists and Naturists. We're there as well. 
We have another lady who works with us. She's not been on the air yet, might never be on the air. She's not into the whole being on the radio thing, but her name is Jennifer Hill. And uh, if you write us on Twitter, either Jennifer or I will respond to you. Most likely it'll be her at first, and if it's necessary for me to get involved, if you've asked a question that only I can answer, then she'll let me know. But I check that out every day. I check every message every day and read every message. But you can reach us there. I do most of the posting, by the way, on Twitter. You can reach us on uh, our email address. Just write us directly, nakedforevermore at gmail.com. That's nakedforevermore at gmail.com. And you can leave messages on Spotify. So our website... Twitter, email, Spotify, lots of ways to reach us, and we're glad that you do. In fact, we're going to read some messages we've recently received. Uh, We read everything here, and we respond to everything. And by we, I mostly mean I. Sometimes Jennifer will write back. If you ask Lisa a question directly, she'll answer you back. Otherwise, everything uh, comes to me, and I will answer you back. Every letter, every question, every inquiry, every statement. But before we get to those letters, I'll tell you what's coming up on the show. Of course, we'll have Lisa Monroe in just a few moments. Her weekly report, she's our weekly correspondent out in the field discussing naturism, and we'll talk to her in just a few moments. We'll also play part one of an interview that I did with Jules and Ian. Are you familiar with them? If you're involved in naturism and you're on Twitter, you probably already know them. This is 2023, and they're already preparing for a 3,000-mile rowing race across the Atlantic Ocean, which will come up in December of 2025. So a little less than two and a half years to go, but it takes time and it takes money. You need money just to get there. And of course, the training is nonstop. And that's what they've been doing recently, getting ready, getting trained. And lots more goes into the training than just rowing. You have to learn nutrition. You have to learn how to sleep in awkward conditions. Somebody has to be awake all night doing the rowing while the other sleeps and they reverse rolls. Lots going on in that world when you travel 3,000 miles by boat. No stopping, no hotels along the way. They don't build hotels in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And once you get out there, you're out there until you reach your destination. So today, part one of my interview with Jules and Ian, and then we will have part two on next week's show, which will be episode 10. Now, before we get to all of that, let me go ahead and read some of the correspondence that we have recently received. This first one is on Twitter, A.B. Friendly Bear. And bear is spelled, you guessed it, we're naturists, B-A-R-E, A.B. Friendly Bear. They're up in Canada. It's a husband and wife team, and they wrote the following. Just love your podcast, Frank and Lisa. You both make me feel like we are just sitting together, nude of course, on a lawn chair or at the beach, and I am getting to know you both. Keep up the great show. I don't think I have to spend too long explaining how that makes us feel. We're working hard to promote close free living for all, naturism for all. And we get inspired by little messages like that, so thank you, A.B. Friendly Bear. And sure, that's exactly the mode, the mood we try to set here with the music, with the conversation. We're just sitting on a lawn chair, sitting at the beach, taking in the breeze, taking in the sun, maybe some lemonade, maybe a snack or two, and just enjoying clothes free living for all and having some great conversation with all barriers removed. What a concept. Here is an email that we received from Simon. I read an email of his uh, on a recent uh, show. 
Frank, naturism for me is a wonderful way of opening ourselves to who we are. I know for me, who was so introverted when I was younger, it has been a blessing. One day I went swimming at a beach. It was early, no one around, and I just took off my trunks and left them on the rocks nearby. I don't know why, it just happened. I never forgot that day and realized how crazy it was to go swimming in underwear. It seemed like hours before I had to discreetly dress and go back to boredom, but I never forgot the freedom of not wearing clothes. I live in shared accommodation now, but once the others are gone and it's a sunny day, the clothes come off and I worship our sun. Doesn't mean I get sunburnt. I'm always aware of the sun and I am careful, but just being my true nature is a superb. I'm near a bushland area, and it is a wonder to hear the birds and the silence of a sunny day away from it all. I listen to each podcast of yours, and I'm naked when I put it on. It's the only way to be! Exclamation point. It's true. Just listening to people talk about naturism makes me happy. I wish people in the world would just throw away all the petty stuff, open their minds, and just enjoy each other's company. I'm grateful to you for reading my email and wish you all the very best in your podcast. Kind regards, Simon. Simon, thank you very much. We appreciate your kind words and the interaction we've had here with you in the studio. We have a Twitter post out there from Chris, who's a.k.a. Mudwalker, and I invite you to check out his videos on YouTube. goes by Mudwalkers. Check him out. Just fire up YouTube, type in Mudwalkers. His videos will come up. And Chris, a.k.a. Mudwalker, says, if you haven't heard Naked Nudist and Naturist podcast, check it out! Exclamation point. It's really good. There aren't that many Naturist podcasts out there, so give them some support. You'll enjoy their show. Well, thank you very much, Chris. We do appreciate that. Here is an inquiry from a gentleman that goes by the name of David L. on Twitter. David, the initial L. And I don't know the answer to this, David, as I wrote to him, so I'm putting it out to our listeners. If you have something to say on this, please let us know. We'll pass it along to David. And here is what David L. said to us and asked. Hi, I wanted to ask you a question. I've been a nudist now for about a year. Unfortunately, I lost the majority of my sight during my second trip in Iraq. And my question is, in your experience bringing the newest podcast... Have you interacted with nudists who are visually impaired? And do you know if there's a difference between those who can see as nudists and those who can't see? For me, I just seem so much more connected with everything using all my other senses and far more grounded with nature and everything around me. And I know with nudists, with vision, I think it's more of a visual thing for them. But is there really a difference? And I don't know the answer because I don't have visual impairment. So if you have something you'd like to pass along to David L., let us know. Write us here. You have four ways to do it, and I'll pass it along. We'll talk about it on a future show. My guess is not a whole lot of difference. Being naked with the sun and with the wind and with nature is being naked with the sun, the wind, and the nature, whether you can see or not. Obviously, our vision is a sense, and when we see other naked people enjoying the clothes free living, it does make a difference. At least it does to me. But I can be happy nude outside all alone. I can be happy in social naturism. So what about you? Uh, Let us know. We'll pass it along. I have one more letter that I want to get to today. And if time allows, I will. And if not, we'll save it uh, for next week's show. But for now, just a reminder, you are listening to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, the show that's all about clothes-free living for all the right reasons, naturism, 
nudism, being naked, all of the above. You're listening to episode nine today. We thank you for being with us. And as you hear the music underneath, you know it's time for Lisa Monroe. So let's bring in our correspondent, Lisa Monroe. Good morning, Lisa. How are you today? Good morning, Frank. I'm doing very well and uh, anxious to have a little chat this morning. Yeah, great to see you uh, totally clothes-free. I'm beginning yes. to wonder or think that you are you never put clothes on at all. Is that uh, you even go grocery shopping that way now? <laughs> I wish I could, but no, <laughs> they, I, that, that would kind of get too much attention, I'm afraid, for the wrong reasons. Not yeah. for good reasons, but for wrong reasons. That's so, right. Unfortunately, whenever I can, but like the rest of us, we are constricted by society and have to do our conform to reality yeah. so no we do call oh, it we call it clothes free living for all the right reasons and you're right that would exactly. be a wrong reason going down aisle three look at the cereal and the rice clothes free uh, might not work well i would have to say that as cold as i get if i dash down the frozen food aisle i'd probably <laughs> need a jacket <laughs> and the dairy aisle so i get cold when, with clothes on there so anyway that's right but but we are both clothes free now and i guess that's what matters yes. right Yes, very definitely. That's right. Now, you found some information uh, on the uh, naturism world, nudist world, some beaches, all that good stuff. Why don't we start off in the land of Spain? What in the world is going on over there? Well, that's what they want to know. Eh. Um, the There is a group called the Naturist Nudist Federation of Catalonia. Okay. And they are now petitioning this government of Spain to actually make nudism mandatory on beaches all right and and but there's a reason and and it comes back to a lot of other things that we've talked about kind of a an occurring theme and that is you know how nudists are responded to Mm -hmm. so what's happening is that that all the beaches in spain are you can be naked on any of them there's no restrictions okay however there are certain beaches some more secluded than others where people have uh, the, the nudists have fl- uh, basically flocked to and and kind of know that's there where they go. Okay. So more and more, they, uh, this one gentleman said that used to, as the tourists or other people came and realized it was a nudist beach, they'd either take off their clothes or leave. Mm-hmm. That's not happening now. Wow. More and more people are coming to the beach. More and more people are staying clothed to the point where there's now more clothed people in the nudist beach, and it's now making the naturists on the beach very uncomfortable because now they're feeling like they're being the object of everyone looking at them. Well, and I'm sure they are. Yeah. And they certainly are. And they said the other, the big other problem that comes along with that is now these are people who are not respectful of what the naturists chooses to do. Mm-hmm. So they're taunting them, they're harassing women, they're doing all kinds of, you know, the natural stupid things that human beings do when they don't know any better. And it's become a really big problem. And And they're running out of places to go because the other issue is now with the internet, <laughs> there's all this, you know, there's the danger of, of they don't want to stay unclothed because if a clothed tourist and their takes a photo, then they're in the background of the photo, and then guess yeah. what? They're all over the internet. That's a good point, yeah. And the um, other thing is that they're just, you know, they're running out of space because all these influencers on the internet yeah. are 
now saying, oh, there's this wonderful little secluded beach in Spain or England or France or U.S. or wherever. Go there. Oh, they have nudists there, but just go there. So there are people who are just flocking to these areas. And they're having a real problem, so they want the government to stop it. Wow. So they're actually petitioning the government to make it mandatory to be nude on the beach. Yes. They they are petitioning the government that um they that the to protect the really decades long tradition of um about fifty or so beaches in that area. It's the area where Barcelona is. Mm-hmm. So it's a very highly populated area mm-hmm. and a very high tourist area. Mm-hmm. And um, so they're asking for signage and a public awareness campaign for naturism so that people realize, oh, that's a nature speech. Maybe I shouldn't go there. Let me make sure I have this straight. So it's meant every single beach in Spain you can be nude on? Exactly. You could, that there is no there are no restrictions on any beaches to my understanding right. from what I've read. Okay, and they want every beach to be mandatory nudity or just certain. No, certain they're areas. looking for those areas where they've traditionally gone to gotcha. okay. to be. Okay, so they don't they're not worried about having access to all beaches. They just like to have access where they have normally gathered. Okay. Without being harassed. Well, yeah, and that makes uh, that makes perfect sense. And I, you know, I've seen a lot of photos out there too. I mean, the internet pretty much has everything you want and don't want. Uh, you know, somebody will take take a selfie or have somebody take a picture of them with a friend in the background is somebody, you know, fully naked and they're doing it on purpose. It's not like they accidentally caught them in the background. It's, hey, look at this guy behind me. Look at this gal behind me as I'm here uh, clothed on the nude beach. And uh, that just has to go away. And I, I guess I support what they're doing. I'm guessing you do too, because Naked is naked, and if you show up clothed, it does introduce a different element, and it's just not as much fun. It certainly isn't naturism, is it? No, it certainly isn't, and when you get all this this really influx of clothed people who are then sitting and pointing and making, you know, snide comments and everything, then then it takes all the pleasure away because then you're having to, you know, f- face some things you don't want to have to deal with. You just want to lay in the sun, enjoy the surf, and, you know, not bother anyone. And it's just, it's just really wrong. And the other thing that I have to mention, this article had comments along with it. It's from The Guardian. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe some of the comments because if there is going to be a naturist movement in this planet, much less just in the U.S., some changes have to be made in how people look at things because, right. you know, there's a, there's a real difference between how the young look at this and how the older people look at this because the young are going, why do I want to go to a beach where they're naked old people? And all they can fixate on is what, you know, what sags and doesn't sag. And, and it's, it's wrong because they're begin they're doing their own body shaming and they're blaming it on their youthful appearance. So, you know, I'm look at me, but I don't want to look at them. Well, don't look at them. Just go. Right. Yeah, that destroys the whole naturism thing, too. When, when you start doing that, you know, old people, you know, overweight people, skinny people. No, they're just people. That's the whole point of naturism. Exactly right. Yeah. And we're far from that in this society of being able to do that. So, you know, I guess we stick among our own in many ways just to, to be able to live that kind of philosophy. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to move uh, uh, to back to our continent, uh, North America. Just south of the United States is a country called Mexico. There's something going on uh, down there as well, right? Well, I just wanted to mention, because we've had some 
visitors from Mexico on our website, yeah. and I came across this article, and I didn't really know how much naturism played into their society. But apparently it's a pretty growing movement at this point. Mm -hmm. And a, a couple of years ago, the, uh, they had a big march in one of the uh, larger cities. And every year they've staged this nudist march. And this year they had it in Mexico City, Whoa. which was a very big deal. <laughs> yeah. And it was a huge mm -hmm. event. And what they did was get everybody together and collect uh at the end and take one very large picture of a whole bunch of naked people, <laughs> but they were, they, there is a real movement afoot in Mexico for naturism. And it's really good to see because, you know, that's not a country that we often think of as being, you know, like France or Spain or, or Italy, any place like that where there may be a bit of a relaxation in clothing rules, but they're having fun and they're working hard and they've got a lot of groups joining in with them to help promote this in Mexico. So, you know, Viva la Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, this whole naked walk then thing in Mexico city that was sanctioned and allowed and there were no issues. Sanctioned, allowed. Apparently um, they got whatever permits they needed. Mm -hmm. I do not know what the laws are as far as nudity goes in Mexico. I didn't yeah. really have time to look that up. Probably should at some point, but yeah. it's, um, you know, it's something that they're enjoying. And, and it looks like a whole group of people are interested in doing it. Well, yeah. And you talk about the heat. It's really hot yeah. in Mexico. And the farther south yeah. you go, obviously, the hotter it gets. Exactly. And I was down there once. I know a few people who live there. And they've told me. I don't know the laws either, but they've told me it's fairly relaxed. You want to be naked in your backyard? Go ahead. You want to walk down the street naked? Eh, maybe not. Uh, but at least you have the, the freedom and the flexibility. You sit on your deck, sit on your front porch even. They're a little more relaxed because everybody understands the heat is the heat and you got to do something. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, it comes back to the old golden rule. I keep thinking, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's true. Yeah. You know, just I'm not doing anything to you. You just let me do my thing. Yeah. And but. You know, there's too many people who want to rule the world, so to speak, and 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 uh, deal with what everyone else does. Those, I think, those are the people who are more fearful yeah. of things. But anyway, you know, good for Mexico and good for the Spain um, for Spain because you know they're trying, they're trying yeah. to exert the rights that n nature should have. Yeah, one of the things I uh, I'll, I'll say that I love, but I actually do not love it at all, is people say, I accept all and everybody is worthy, and uh, except for you, because you disagree with me. You're not worthy and I don't respect you as much. Like, well, you just shot your own argument out of the water. Exactly. But we'll save that for another time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, best wishes in Spain for sure, getting mandatory nudity on nude beaches. Wow, what a concept that is. Absolutely. And also to Mexico. We've been talking to Lisa Monroe, our weekly correspondent. And uh, Lisa, you have to make us a promise today. You'll be closed free all day, correct? We hope. As long as I'm inside, I will be. All right. Well, very good. Always good to talk to you. Lisa Monroe, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Take care. All right, you bet. Isn't she absolutely great? Loves the clothes free living life, loves naturism, loves being naked 25-8 whenever possible. The terrific Lisa Monroe. I think that I've shared before, I'm a lifelong naturist. I was literally born naked, as were you.
But then I just never got around to putting on clothes. Uh, Lisa Monroe had a different upbringing, a very strict, very conservative, get your clothes on, maybe 50 layers would be great. But she discovered this world about 20 years ago and has never looked back. So we thank Lisa Monroe for everything. And she does a great job, uh, and not only does a great job here every week, but does a great job promoting naturism for all and is a beacon of light, especially to women who are seeking to try the lifestyle. You are listening to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, episode 9 today. We really thank you for being with us. Let's get to part 1 now of my interview that I did with Jules and Ian on December 12th of 2025. They're going to row 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean. They are an amazing married couple from the UK, and every day they're putting time and energy and money into this excursion, getting ready for it. And you can help them. You can help them financially. They'll talk about that during the interview. They need a lot of money just to get to the starting line. And of course, after that, they need money to do the race and to finish and everything else that goes on with them. So let's get to it right now. Part one of my interview with the terrific Jules and Ian. So let's welcome to the show this morning an outstanding couple, a married couple from the UK. They have a title on their Twitter page called Two Naturists. One ocean. So what in the world's all that about? Well, they're going to take a 3,000-mile journey on rowboats, I believe, in December of 2025. They're telling the world about it now because they do have to raise money for that, and there's a lot of expenses involved. And they're also doing work to raise money for charity along the way. And they've had a couple of uh, different personal stories, which led them to naturism and also led them to the fact that they thought, oh, 3,000 miles, that's easy. We could do that in our sleep. So let's welcome to the show this morning uh, from the U.K., uh, Jules and Ian. Uh, first of all, Jules, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, glad to meet you today. Thank you for having us. All right, glad you're here. And uh, Ian is here as well. And uh, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well, thanks, Frank. And yourself? I'm doing well. Just uh, as we talked a little bit off air, I went for uh, a run. You know, I go jogging on the beach each morning, four o'clock a.m. You know how many people you run into at four o'clock a.m. on the beach? Absolutely nobody. <laughs> Because they're all smart enough to be, you know, home sleeping. Uh, but let's, uh, you know, let's let's start off with your personal stories because you've both overcome some challenges in life where people basically said, no, not good enough, not big enough, not tall enough, whatever. And you both basically said, well, forget that noise. Uh, I'll, I'll show you I can do it. So, Ian, maybe to start off with your story, I know there's uh, something involving rugby and uh, also the musical production of Fame. You're in both of those, or you're in, uh, yeah, both those areas. Just tell us how you. What happened and how you got through all that? Yes. Yeah, so when I was younger, um, I had an interest in rugby. Um, as my friends were all growing taller, I wasn't. Um, and uh, at five, I was probably about five, six then. And they were all starting to touch six foot. And I was told, yeah, no, you, 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 you've done your, your kids rugby now. Um, you're not really big enough to um, continue. Um, and I decided that they were wrong. Yeah. So I continued. I played for the village I lived in, um, and then the local town's youth rugby team, and I did a, a couple of seasons, played um, in the middle of the scrum as hooker, played fly half, played on the wing. So I was um, quite versatile, quite um, quick yeah. on my feet. Yeah. And that was really important yeah. because I was going against guys who were a lot taller than me. And I did pretty well, I think, until I decided that I was, I'd been knocked about enough 
and I'd go and try something else, <laughs> which was <laughs> which was musical theatre for some yep. years. Before we get to your theater story, you know, I played rugby as well, believe it or not, in college. Not at a high level. You know, I wasn't, you know, as good as you. But, you know, I'm not the largest guy either. But I was also very fast. And I remember thinking, I better run even faster. These large people are <laughs> going to take me down. It's not going to feel too good. And I've always said rugby is kind of like American football, wrestling, and boxing all mixed together, but with no padding or helmets. Just get out there and get yourself knocked around and have fun. So yes. if you play rugby, you're kind of a special kind of guy, aren't you? I think so. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a good special, yeah. but it's certainly special. <laughs> now they have, uh, I don't know if they do this in the UK, but I know they do it sometimes in Australia, and especially in New Zealand, they actually have naked rugby events. And I think most of those are set aside to raise money for charity, kind of like the two of you are doing. Did you ever participate in that, play rugby with no clothes on as an naturist? No, um, I only found naturism uh, very recently. So uh, it wasn't ever a, a consideration for me, and it was never done local to me that I remember. Okay, yeah, there's probably only one thing more special uh, than a guy who plays rugby. It's a guy who gets out there with no pads whatsoever and no clothes and says, you know, here <laughs> I am, just knock me down as hard as you can. <laughs> so, now, what about this musical production of Fame? You wanted in it, and they said you were too old, which is a great thing to hear, isn't it? But what, what happened there? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I am, or I was uh, approaching my 50s at the time, and I can understand partly where it came from. Yeah. However, I have a much younger playing age because of my um, my Chinese uh, heritage, and I felt that when it came to the dancing and, and other parts, with me being smaller, I could actually do a good good job of it. Mm -hmm. So auditioned regardless and got into the chorus. It's, it's just a local production. It wasn't anything big and professional. But I did a uh, more than a reasonable job. I got given the part of one of the principal dancers and did a lot of the dancing. And I was actually asked for my advice on a lot of the lifts and things like that. So mm -hmm. it was definitely the right decision to go for it. Well, that's great. You know, the, the fact that you basically said, you know, I think I can do this. I don't care if I am 49 or so. I feel younger. I look younger and I can do this. And you did. I mean, those are the kind of stories I like to hear because a lot of people would have said, well, OK, I guess that party is over. I'll go home. Uh, but you didn't. And I think a lot of that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, for the two of you, we're going to get Jewel's story, too. But that's kind of what led you to this rowing thing. Like how many people probably told you early on, you want to row across the Atlantic Ocean? Are you nuts? You know, go home and forget about it. You know, have a nice cup of tea and go to sleep or something. And you basically said, forget that. Uh, here we go. So, Jules, let's turn to you now, your, uh, your backstory a little bit. Uh, you've always been into rowing, as I understand, at least a very long time. And at some point, yeah. they kind of said the same thing to you, right? You're a little on the small side. Maybe you ought to go home, but it's, tell us what happened. Maybe I went to Cox, because <laughs> Cox is a small. Yeah. Um, and I, I do Cox, and I coach, but I prefer rowing. Um, and I've always lived on the water or lived on the water since I was nine and been around boats since I was five days old. And and then I found like sliding seat rowing. So sort of the Oxford, Oxford Cambridge boat race rowing sort of in my 20s and became quite good at it quite quickly because I just understand water and understood how it works. And um, then became a coach and then set up my own rowing club. And um, so... And then I tried to row at Women's Henley. So this was the biggest thing that I would have ever uh, tried to achieve. And 
put lots of planning into it, found a doubles partner who was the same height as me, which is good for, you know, leverage if you think about the physics. Um, and she was um, not quite as good. A, she hadn't rode as long as me. She's now better than me. Um, but at the time, she hadn't rode as long. Um, so I was also teaching her. And the coach we had, we paid a private coach, which was quite expensive at the time. I was a single mum. So doing that around work, around kids, around everything. So we trained for nine sessions a week and over six days. And it was, you know, we put everything into it. So the coach was like, if you miss a session, well, that could be the 1% if you lose by, you know. And so it was, you know, it was drilled into us. We had to perform. And we did. And we we had personal bests and, you know, we, we went to race at bigger and bigger races to build up to it. And then when we got there, um, well, we knew you knew a few months ago, but we had to row with the heavyweights because they got rid of the lightweight category. Oh, wow. So as you can imagine in boxing and things, that if you imagine putting a lightweight against a heavyweight, it, yeah. it, you just can't. <laughs> <laughs> so... We, we still decided to compete or try to, and there's qualifiers, so you have to do a time trial first. And so 32 crews all set off, you know, and they measure the times, and then they put the sheet up on the wall, and you go and look at it, and then we're halfway down the sheet, and we didn't qualify. Okay. <laughs> so we didn't even get to race um, at the biggest thing we've ever trained for, which was soul-destroying. It was heartbreaking. Um, and I spent about three weeks sort of in the doom and gloom of athlete grief and uh, just couldn't cope with it, really, and needed something bigger and better. So we decided to go for a while at singles, break down into singles, because they still had singles categories with lightweights. Apart from singles is not really my thing. I like doing things with somebody else. Yeah. I can single skull. I've won races in a single skull, but I just prefer being with somebody else. It's the, I think, the motivation of having another person with you. Yeah. Um, and I had an injury and I ended up dropping out with that. Um, I needed something bigger and better. And somebody uh, I used to work with, who used to be my boss, added himself to the Ocean Rowing Society page on Facebook. And he, and it flashes up, you know, on the screen. And I said, what on earth are you doing adding yourself to that? And I messaged him. He said, I'm thinking of putting a team together to row an ocean. And I was like, are you? <laughs> so I backtracked to 2013. And I tried to be part of a team to row around Britain, which is harder than rowing across the Atlantic because you've got tides. Um, there was a team of six of us that wanted to do it. I then had another child, so that got in the way of doing that. And um, She, not she, that. That, yeah, yeah. she. <laughs> um, and um, so I didn't get to do that, and it didn't actually happen anyway. They didn't go for whatever reason, probably because I wasn't there. <laughs> you know a lot of people you know they don't understand this and it has to do with rowing and all athletics and also you know musical theater like ian did you know you put your heart and soul into this and you gear up for it and you train years and years and you're just ready to go and then you go and then you don't make it or somebody tells you to go home like they did in your case or you get put in a different division that you're really not physically qualified for yeah. it's like wow, I just sank all these hours, time, energy, money, and now I'm just driving home, you know, like like the average person off the street. But when you do achieve something, you know, like your uh, your role in fame, Ian, or the rowing that you've done, you know, Jules, then it makes it all worth it, doesn't it? Yeah, so the biggest thing I've, ever, I've completed was the British Masters National Competition in Scotland, mm -hmm. and I had a win there in a four with a Cox wow. uh, for Derwent Rowing Club. So a diff I got invited to row with a different rowing club, um, so that was great. So that's my biggest probably achievement in rowing, apart yeah. from working towards this. Um, so yeah, it's 
so putting a team together, I put a team together called the Transatlantic Trio. So we were going to be the inaugural transatlantic mixed three to row across the Atlantic. So we would have had a world record. Wow. Um, so that was the point of it, to do something that nobody had ever done before. Wow. Then my um, life changed in mm, too many ways. So my partner, I met up with my childhood sweetheart back in Boxing Day 2019. And we'd been together for four years as teenagers, you know, first love, everything. Um, in fact, rattling around on the marina where we live now on motorbikes and doing all sorts of crazy things. And and then he he told me he had cancer and he told me it was terminal. Mm. And then 11 weeks later, after getting back together, he died. And it wasn't meant to be like that. It was meant to be 10 or 11 years later with his, with his type of cancer. And it just really went fast, farther, far faster than we could possibly ever imagine. Yeah. And that happened to be on the 12th of March, 2020. And then you know what happened that month. Yeah, like the next day or two, <laughs> right? The whole yeah. shutdown pandemic. So wow. It was the funeral was in lockdown. Oh and gosh. then I had homeschooling with two kids alone again. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. with nobody to even give you a hug because right. you couldn't, you couldn't do that. So, um, uh, the kid's dad actually came back and looked after us for a bit, but that didn't work out so too well on the long term, but he put a boat together and I, uh, an old rowing shell that was actually split in two. So we, I could get on the water and heal. So rowing is my healing tool as well as yoga sure. and open water swimming and things like that. So bless him. He, he got us out on the water and we still have that boat. Yeah. And, uh, then I lost my business in the July, <laughs> because and that's when I started teaching. You lost the pan- um, you lost the business because of the pandemic, right? Pandemic and bereavement, so the yeah, two yeah. combined, yeah. I just yeah. it just wasn't working. Yeah. I had a team of people who needed me more than ever, and yeah. and I wasn't there for them. Yeah, so, no, understood. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so then I lost my business, and then so the row was still happening at that point. So the row that the trio, I was looking forward to it. That was going to be December the twelfth, twenty twenty, and it was the only sporting event that was going to be allowed because we we're actually going into self isolation. Um, so the UK government allowed it, and we could fly a special dispensation. Everything, I put all the food together all over the kitchen. You know, sixty odd days worth of food, you can right. imagine. And um, then we went on a training row, and the team decided um, that they didn't want me on the team anymore because of my mental health. Oh wow. Um, so despite it being the only thing that was keeping me going personally, something to look forward to, something to achieve, something to build back up again, and they took it away from me. Wow, that's, yeah. So three big losses. In- no, I mean, one loss can sometimes put people in the fetal position in the corner. Three, I can't imagine. Most people couldn't handle it. But somehow you've come through it. I mean, you met Ian and you're, you're together and you're doing this whole... Well, naturism. Exactly, okay. yeah. It's had a massive role because um, I went to Mark Bass, the president of BN, who is a good friend since I was a teenager as well. And he's been instrumental in um, helping me become, you know, a good naturist, as it were, and introduced me to lots of people. And I said to him, we were doing naked yoga classes and they were for free at the time. BN had put them on to help people through the pandemic and things. And then they had to start charging for them eventually. And I said, well, can I teach uh, naked aerobics? I've not taught aerobics. I'm not a fitness instructor. And I um, said to Mark, can I do it? And he was like, yeah, I'm sure you can. 
and I taught baby sensory classes. So I'd been in front of parents teaching, shaking my shakers, singing songs, doing baby massage, baby signing and stuff. Can't be that different, can it? <laughs> you know, you're, you're performing in front of people, right? right? Same thing. You're learning yeah. something, delivering it. Yeah. Um, and so I taught myself how to do that. And um, uh, and then I was teaching online naked classes. And um, so different, got three, four different classes and slowly built up to teach them. And I still do it. Wow, that's great. I, I do want to get into that in just a moment. I want to pursue that a little more, as well as your background in nature and what brought you to this part in life. Before we do, though, I want to talk about the rowing just for a second. Way back in 1984, I always tell people that was way before I was born. Of course, they know that's not true. Uh, but way back in 1984, of course, the Summer Olympics were on. And I, I was glued to the TV. I can't get enough of sports as it is. And with the Olympics, now you get every sport you know, under the sun out there. And they had rowing competitions. And I had never really done, uh, literally not done anything with rowing. Didn't even really know what it was all about. And there was a boat, there were some oars, there were some people and some water. And that's about all I knew. And then in the middle of a competition while they were taking a break, they had a special, I don't know, five or ten minute, you know, little news thing, documentary, whatever, on rowing and what it does for people. And they were talking about the, the various muscle groups and the individual muscles as well as the larger muscles, small muscles. They just explained how the whole body tremendously benefits from rowing to the point I thought, wow, how did I miss this? But then I went out and bought a rowing machine, you know, one of those things just from a <laughs> store you put in your basement and, and simulate rowing. And that, at that time, that put me in the best shape of my life. I had never, I'd always been in decent shape because I'd played sports forever, but I got an even better shape from rowing. Have you found that to be the case? I'm guessing you have, but is that part of what you promote through rowing is great health? Yeah, I I love it because you can just eat what you like (laughs) when you're in full training. (laughs) I love food. Um, So I have a tendency (laughs) to, um, to gain weight. So rowing helps me. Um, stay how I like to look, um, yeah. and also nice and muscly. I'm showing you muscles right. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, it, it almost literally works out everything: your arms, your legs, your back, your stomach, your chest, your yeah. sides. I mean, Oops, I don't know if yeah. there's anything that's not affected uh, by rowing, right? It touches all. No, it really is all over. Yeah. Well, let's go uh, your, your naturism story now uh, before we get into the the, the naked uh, aerobics thing. And, and of course, we do want to talk a lot about your upcoming trip, three thousand miles. Two Naturists, uh, One Ocean, coming up in December of uh, 2025. We're talking to Jules and Ian this morning from the UK. Uh, So, uh, Ian, let's go back to you now. As I understand it, you're fairly new to the world of naturism. Uh, Just tell us how you got into it, how you found it, and what it's done for you. Well, I can say categorically it was mainly down to Jules. Yeah. So we, when we first met, we only chatted for 10 minutes, and... Part of that, Jules just threw out that she was about to go for her first official um, naturist event. And that was back in 2019, summer of 2019. Um, And I was really interested in it. Um, Just, I just felt that it would be somewhere I could be comfortable. Uh, I've always been more comfortable naked but never really explored naturism. And then we fast forward two years because me and Jules only chatted um, occasionally on on social media for the next two years. And then two years, two days after our first meeting, we have agreed to meet up for the COVID walk that we were all taking part in. Mm -hmm. Everyone was, you know, it's one thing that you could do 
right. would be meet each other outside. So we went for a little walk and quite quickly we realised that there was something more to it. We went to a, uh, a pub local to Jules and just sat chatting. And yeah, we, we, we both kind of started to see somebody and, and we kind of realised that the, the questions we were asking were more about that first date. You know, what, what's your favourite colour or... You know, what would you do if if you were attacked by a horse-sized ant or an ant, you know, ant-sized horses? That kind of thing. The, the, yeah. the weird things that you you never you'd never really think about is just to make conversation. <laughs> and uh, so we uh, we we went away. We we contacted the people that well, Jules had been on three dates. I had had a couple of dates with somebody else and. Just said, yeah, it's, it's, it's not working. Yeah. And then agreed to meet up the following night for an actual date. Oh. And uh, within, um, well, within a couple of hours, we, we'd made dinner, we'd eaten dinner. We started talking about naturism and Jules just went, well, here we go then, Let, let's just get naked. And that was it. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, we did, we got naked, we started chatting and it just felt natural and normal. And then within a couple of days, I'd booked on for the, the same event that Jules had for her first one, which was a, uh, a Lido uh, naked open air pool event that British Naturism put on a few times through the summer. And that was it. We, we didn't look back. Well, I haven't. Yeah. You met my friends for the very oh. first time naked. <laughs> yeah, so all Jules's closest friends... Yeah. Um, I walked into their house, um, said hello. We drove to the Lido and just got naked. Yeah. And I was, I, I can honestly, I was a little bit nervous about it. Um, but again, everyone just made me feel um, quite welcome. Yeah. And we laughed and we had food. And it was just, um, what can, how, how can I put it? It was quite liberating and and it just made you feel like there were no barriers there was no difference between you by where you come from or what you have what you own how much you earn everybody was just the same you know that's the part of naturism most people don't get unless until they try it then they realize yeah it's true it's like okay so i'm going to meet all these people Uh, met this amazing woman she's going to bring her friends and i'm going to see everybody naked or maybe you didn't know that ahead of time but Suddenly, they're all naked. Now, a lot of people would think, okay, I need to run and hide. Let me get out of here. I never want to see this Jules person again. This is crazy. <laughs> but, but it actually has the opposite effect. Had you been in a bathing suit, had they they've been in bathing suits, there probably would have been some kind of checking out going on all day and some kind of judging, like, oh, I can't believe she wore that suit. Oh, that's not yeah. her best color. Naturism takes all that away, and you found that like almost immediately, uh, Ian? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody was. Uh, it, it didn't matter what what car you you drove up in because nobody nobody paid any attention to it. Yeah, because you walked through the gates. Yeah. you just took everything off. You sat down. Say so we we had a picnic and uh, we just yeah everyone just laughed. We swam. We laughed some more. We chatted. I think it's the fun element as well. Yeah. yeah. So naturists genuinely know how to have fun. Right. 
And I think people have forgotten how to have fun. Like we we can go in a pool and be kids again yeah. and jump in. Yeah. And um, if you go on our Twitter page, you'll see some ridiculous um, shots of us just being fun. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's right. They're being very childish in yeah. the water. It's, and yeah. it allows that inner child to have fun again. And it's so delightful. Yeah, well, it is. And, you know, most kids, maybe not all, but most kids basically run around naked, you know, when they're one or two or even three or whatever. And then somebody says, oh, you got to got to put some clothes on. And they do. They figure that's normal. And then later in life, when they become naturists, kind of like you just said, they become kids again. Like that's when I enjoyed life the most when I was naked and running around just having a good time. Never inappropriate, just enjoying life and uh, living my best clothes free life, I guess. And so you found that, right? You found that, okay, when, when the clothes come off, we just enjoy life and have a lot of fun. That's basically what you're saying, right? Yeah. 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 Now, Definitely. Ian, did you have a, you did not have a background in naturism. You didn't grow up that way. Your parents were not naturists. You were not naked around them, basically. No, no, not at all. Uh, my mum was Chinese Catholic and things were done in a, a very particular way. Um, my dad left home early, joined the Navy early. So he was a boy seaman, should have been 15, but was 14, lied about his age and went out to sea. And there was no, you know, no nothing other than doing the right thing, being a grown up. And if I had actually, I, I really believe if I broached the subject with them, they would have found it very disconcerting and and they would have found a, a conversation about it very awkward yeah. uh, but unfortunately I, I didn't get that opportunity okay. having lost both my parents earlier yeah. and well it's 19 years since I lost my mum okay so it's a yeah it, it, it's a shame that I wasn't able to share that but we we have a uh, a relationship where that is a massive part of it. We do things three, four times a year yeah. as uh, at, at events. Now we've got one coming up in a few weeks, and we we live our best naturist life that we can. Yeah. Now, did you have thoughts of venturing into naturism? You know, as a kid or as a teenager, or just wasn't even a thing in your mind until later in life. So I never, I didn't realize that naturism was, was a thing, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. I've always been more comfortable naked. Um, I would go home and it, it's get down to minimum amount of clothes um, as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a man, which means that my body regulates its temperature quite well. Most women I've known are more like reptiles where they're always complaining about being too hot or too cold, but I'm fine. I can just take clothes off and, and my body does fine. Yeah. Unless it's the middle of the winter, oh, sure. then you put a fire on yeah. and get a blanket and still, for me, um, get get naked as, as quickly as possible. Yeah. I was married many years ago to a woman who didn't feel like that. And um, again, the the lady that I had a child with more recently, she didn't feel like that. She felt or still feels that you know you should be covered up, and it's it's not it's not natural. Even though that's the way we come into the world, that's why you know everything, all the best things happen when you're naked. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> um, that that's you know that's the way it goes. We 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 dance, we sing. Yeah. 
everything happens when we're naked. You just enjoy <laughs> it. You know, that's one of the, the saddest things I hear, and I hear it frequently. One partner is into naturism, wants to basically be naked 25 hours a day if they can. And the other is at the opposite end, like, put your shirt back on. You know, why are you not wearing pants? And it just goes on forever. And usually what ends up happening is the naturist goes out on his own or her own and says, well, forget this. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to go to the resort alone, which is not great. Or they retreat into a shell and say, okay, I guess I'm going to live the next hundred years with my clothes on. Either way, I see both people losing, you know, the one who didn't try it and the one who can no longer do it or has to do it alone. But now, Jules, what about you? As I understand it, and I could be wrong, so that's why I'm coming to you. A little different story for you, right? You, you were into naturism some time ago. Just tell us uh, how you got into all this. Yeah, not that much longer. Okay. Um, so no, having known Mark Bass and his um, being into naturism, I've been on holidays with him, and we've got naked around the villa pool. Mm. And not really thought of it as a naturist activity, just thought of it as we're all together and let's just have fun and not have tan lines, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so that that happened a little bit. And then I've done a couple of naked shoots for Mark and for another photographer as well. Oh, okay. And that, guess, I guess, grew my confidence enough to go, actually, I enjoyed that. I thought it was really liberating. And I like the way, in fact, there's a, there's a photo right behind me. You won't be able to see it. Yeah. So our listeners know you. The three of us can see each other. Yeah. Only hearing. So, yeah, I saw the. Uh, show me the picture again. Um, so, yeah, it's just on the wall. Oh, yeah. There. Oh, yeah. Me in a tree. And I'm actually laughing in the picture. So, yeah. it's me lying naked um, along the tree branch. Yeah. And um, I'm laughing. And it's, it, I was probably in my best physical shape at the time. Yeah. Um, and I like the way I look. And I'm laughing. So, it reminds me to be happy and naked and stay fit. And it's sort of really good motivating tool to have on the wall. There it is. Um, and then that was before I was officially a member of British Naturism. Yeah. And and then, I've, so Mark and my best friend Jenny, since I was 11 years old, have been going to Alton Towers event, which is a week, weekend event, and it's quite famous in the UK. It's at a water park and hotel. So you can be indoors the whole time. They've got security on the gate. It's hired out by British Naturism. And it's just perfect. And they've been going for about 11 years. And saying every year you need to come along you need to come along and I just couldn't because of work it was my busiest time of year at work so I couldn't um, and eventually work changed it became I was promoted and um, and I could go and I was like I can go this year so that's why I went to the Peter Lido event as my first one as a warm-up you know practice rather than go naked right. for the whole weekend as right. your first thing I thought I better do a practice one became a member um, so yeah, I went to like Peter Bolido and then went to Alton Towers as my first event. And day dancing naked was a bit strange for about the first ten minutes. Yeah. Your bits all jiggling around, <laughs> and then it was just glorious. And then it was amazing. And then you can't get enough of it. Well, then um, you, then you can't imagine any other way, right? No. no. Yeah. Exa- yeah. <laughs> and exactly. Just, yeah. And then just like dancing with everybody, and everybody's bits are flying around, but then you don't see it. Right. And then and then you're just having the most purest fun ever. Yeah. And for anybody who's listening to this who's not a naturist, it's just got to be done. It's got right. to try it. Now, you mentioned uh, British naturism, and I keep hearing about them a lot. They're a significant player in the world of naturism, even though it's you know, just British, but at the same time, it's worldwide. And not only are you, are you a member, but you once appeared on the cover of one of their uh, magazines, right? Yeah, before I was a naturist. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, how in the world did that come to be? Um, so we had... Um, a naked photo, another naked photo shoot, actually, this, the two 
um, but on the water in my rowing boat. So I had uh, to get somebody to drive the launch, somebody to take the pictures, which was a, the photographer who took the picture behind me, actually. Um, I trusted him to do a really good job. And he was the team photographer for that ocean rowing crew at the time. And as a bit of a publicity stunt as well, we um, we did the shoot and then the, some of the photos ended up on uh, a tabloid press uh, called The Sun. Um, so it's a bit of a, a red rag, isn't it? It's not the best newspaper in the world. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was on page 23 and they did take the mickey out of it, you know, lose your nick gauze, you know, yeah. oars, O-A-R-S. And um, it was, to be honest, I was in a vulnerable state at the time because I'd lost my partner a month prior to that going live. So I think they caught me in a bit of a, a strange time and I just said yes to it and I probably wouldn't have said yes to it right. now. But <laughs> It went out and it was it was titivating um, at the time and um, so that that happened in the uh, that was twenty twenty so I was a, I suppose I was officially an atheist at that point but a very early days yeah and then from that shoot we got a good picture for the cover and Mark said I think this would be a good picture for the cover and so yeah it happened. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Now, what's it like when you go on a naked photo shoot? Is it just you and the photographer? Do they have uh, you know assistants and people taking notes and lighting people and makeup people? What's it like when you do that? Um, so when I went on the naked one outdoors, um, we had a minder. So and so you had a minder and then a looker outer. So okay. just to so you've got dog walkers right. um, and people might be wandering around. So we don't want to offend people. Right. Um, and I'm. We, we don't necessarily like going for naked walks out in public. So we're kind of the kind of naturists who prefer to keep it more private. Right. We don't mind being naked outside, but as long as we're not going to run into anybody, right. um, aren't we? we yeah, unless, it, unless it's an actual event. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so if it's, a, it's an event and you know, nobody's going to be wandering around clothes, because I just don't want to upset people that might be shocked or have the rejection. I've got rejection-sensitive dysphoria, so yeah. if somebody was to sort of say something negative to me about it, I'd be, it would put me off naturism for life, so I'd rather not put myself in that situation. Yeah, that's very um, smart. So there's plenty of opportunities to be naked without sort of going for a naked hike or something. Yeah. If I was in a big group um, or something like that, I think it would be better. We. I haven't done the na- world naked bike ride yet, but if we had a tandem, <laughs> we might have a tandem. So That's on your bucket list, yeah. Another story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, there is uh, a little more to that story, and we'll delve into that uh, next week. The terrific Jules and Ian. Check them out, strongertogether.co.uk. Two is spelled T-W-O, strongertogether.co.uk. You've been listening to Naked, Nudist, and Nature's brand new show every Saturday morning, 6 o'clock a.m. This has been episode 9, and we can't tell you enough. Close for your living is the way to go, and we really appreciate you listening to our show. Well, you've been listening to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, episode 9 today. Thank you for being with us. A brand new show every Saturday morning at 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Continue to join us. Check us out on our website, nakednudistandnaturist.com, Spotify, Google, Amazon slash Audible, Apple Podcasts, and also on Twitter. You can write us anywhere, anytime, anyplace. And uh, we thank you for being with us uh, today. Plan to join us for every single one of our shows here and have your clothes off when you're listening. We have our clothes off when we're broadcasting, enjoying 
the naturist life. We celebrate clothes free living for all. Remember to enjoy being naked and join us again for Naked Nudist and Naturist. We drop a brand new show every Saturday morning, so come back and join us. Have your clothes off when you do for Naked Nudist and Naturist. Have a great clothes free day. Mm-hmm.